There you are. I was wondering where you'd gotten off to. So uh, welcome to part three of the my reading of the Dhammapada, this edition that looks like this. They're not all translated exactly the same. If you haven't heard parts one and two, I recommend starting with part one. If you've seen part one and know for a fact that you haven't seen part two, well, there's part two. Seems unlikely, but just in case. Okay, Let's start where we left off. Chapter eight. I don't know if these are called chapters or like contos or there's a better word I should be using when this channel gets a little more popular and people actually watch this. If you know the answer to that, put it in the comments. Oh, by the way, like, subscribe, and share with all your friends. You'd like <clears throat> the world. Indulge not in crude desires. Oh, but just a little. Live not in ignorance. Follow not false doctrines. Issue this worldly existence. Rouse and be aware. Do not be ignorant. Follow the path of the sacred truth and be virtuous. For it is the virtuous that will find bliss in this world and in the next. Follow the path of the sacred truth of virtue. Follow not that of sin. The virtuous will find bliss in this world and in the next. Look upon the world as a bubble. Look upon it as a mirage. The king of death does not see him who views who thus views the world. Come, see this glittering world, which is decorated like a royal chariot. The foolish revel in it, but the wise touch it not. He who was once ignorant, but then became aware, brightens up this world, just like the moon when freed from the clouds. He who overcomes his evil actions by good deeds brightens up this world, just like the moon when freed from clouds. The world is blind, only a few can see, and it is only these few who soar towards heaven. No, QAnon, we're not talking about you just like birds that have escaped the net. Swans fly along the path of the sun, passing through space with miraculous power. Similarly, the wise are led out of this world upon conquering Mara and his army of death. 
If a man speaks lies, defies the sacred truths, and scorns the hereafter, there is no evil he will not do. The miserly do not ascend to heavenly realms. It is fools who scoff at generosity. Those who are wise rejoice in giving and through it are blessed with joy in this life and the next. More enriching than sovereignty over the earth, than going to heaven, than ruling over all worlds is the reward of reaching the stream of spirituality. Just wondering what, what Sanskrit word translates directly into spirituality and kind of thinking about how the definition of the word has changed in, you know, Western US type mind, English speaking uh, mind over the past 150 years. If you ask someone in 1830s, you'd get a different answer from 1890s. And of course, different answer in the, anyway. <clears throat> Sometimes there's, it, it, words will have connotations that come with them like sin. Sometimes you know, they use the word hell and, you know, uh, all these other words that are familiar to, uh, you know, someone with a Judeo-Christian background. And uh, so it might be confusing, you know, at first, like, well, no, Buddhism is this. That's what I heard. Someone put it in a nutshell for me and gave it to me. It's a little piece of Madhyamaka or something. And, uh, and uh you know, this that you're reading, uh, this isn't Buddhism. This is why are you talking about hell and, and sin? Yeah, this, is, this is like Christianity. Well, what it is, is it's Pali or Sanskrit that has been translated into English. And unfortunately, the words that are kind of approximately similar get translated directly. Obviously, we're not talking about the 610 sins in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Though surely some of them overlap. Moving along. Chapter 14. Did I say chapter 8? I meant chapter 13. That was the world. Chapter 14. The Buddha, which means the awakened. A little different than woke, but same ballpark. He whose victory can never be undone, who's conquered can never rise again to pursue him. Yeah, now we're talking. Whose knowledge is limitless. Let's get back to the conquered corpses. No, uh, by what track can you trace him who is the Buddha, the awakened, the trackless, he over whom no desire with its snares and poisons hold any sway. If you guys haven't already checked it out, uh, just do a Google image search for um, the seal of St. Benedict, and then you can find a translation. I had one 
up on the wall. It was helping me with when I was quitting something. Anyway, it reminds me of this. Some similarities in at least the, uh, the disciplines of renouncing the world in order to get into a space where you can blank. That's like, you know, Buddhism and Christianity both start out with that. I mean, if you really get into what do they say to do, not like, yeah, you know, I, this is my life, you know, and then I go to church, like, okay, same thing in Buddhism and yoga, there's the householders. And of course, without the householders, who would reproduce if everybody's taking vows of chastity and whatnot? Okay, I'm just not even really going anywhere with this. I'm just babbling. So I shall stop and get back to the reading. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> he over whom no desire, oh, wait, I read that already. Whose limitless, whose knowledge is limitless. By what track can you trace him? Who is the Buddha, the awakened, the trackless? If you ever think I'm reading the same thing twice, I'm not. It's, it, they repeat stuff. Repeat stuff, repeat stuff. Okay. Even the gods love those. I heard a great quote today, or heard, I, no, I did hear it and read it at the same time. It was on YouTube. It was supposed to be a Zen quote. Can I remember it though? That's the question. Um, that suffering comes from taking too seriously what the gods made to entertain themselves. Okay, maybe. It doesn't always work for everyone in every situation. So it's a lot of these things that if someone's in agonizing pain of a psychological, emotional, or physical nature, it doesn't really help to be like, think positive, you know, like they'll tell you to fuck off. It just doesn't help. So like, uh, like Osho once said, this is uh, spiritual guidance for the rich. I'm kidding, kind of, okay. <clears throat> You can, in my opinion, I'm not qualified to speak with any authority whatsoever or to wear this for that matter, but uh, I would say that you can um, unattach yourself to worldly things without actually giving away the worldly things or selling it and giving the money to the poor. <laughs> Is that terrible to say? No, I mean, I think at least in the Buddhist context, uh, it's not the Christian one. Um, yeah, that you can recognize when, oh, like I care too much that only such and such number of people click like on something, or I care a little too much that, uh, you know, nobody notices me when I walk into the room because I've gained a little weight, whatever it is, you know, the, the shallow things, the, uh, the, the, the little attachments that maybe they seem small and insignificant, but when you've got 10,000 of them and they're always kind of one or the other is popping up like whack-a-mole, you know? Um, I mean, for whatever spiritual path means, whether you're talking about a Buddhist thing or a Christian thing or an atheist thing, there's an atheist spiritual path in my humble opinion. Um, but it's hard to walk it 
uh, when you, you don't recognize and try to do something about the attachments. And keeping in mind that you can also become attached to being the unattached. You can be Mr. Whack-a-Mole with the hammer, like, I don't have that attachment. I don't have that attachment. I have no attachments. Uh, you seem to be pretty attached to having no attachments. <laughs> no, I'm not even attached to that. The Dalai Lama once said that this play that I saw him speak, uh, he said, I'm, I'm not attached to anything. I'm not even attached to Buddhism. I was kind of like, huh, all right. Okay, here, here we are. I'll just reread this just so we can kind of get back into the flow. And if, if you think I'm talking too much, let me know. You know if you, I came here for the reading of the Dhammapada. I didn't come here for Edward's opinion. I get it. I know. Okay. Even the gods love those who are given to meditation, who are wise, who delight in the tranquility of renunciation, and who are awakened, the Buddhas. Difficult it is to be born a man. Difficult is the life of mortals. Difficult it is to hear the sacred truth. And yet more difficult is the birth of the awakened, the becoming of Buddha. Excuse me. To commit no sin, to do good deeds, to purify one's thoughts. That is the teaching of the Buddha. Everlasting patience is the highest form of self-control. And nirvana is the supreme goal, so say the Buddhas. For he who hurts or strikes others is not a true monk, nor a true renouncer. Sounds a little bit like announcer. It's like a microphone here. True renouncer. Okay. Neither or neither. Ni are you a neither or neither? Neither hating nor harming, living a life of restraint and discipline, being moderate in eating, seeking solitude, and engaging in pure thoughts. These are the teachings of the Buddha. Even a shower of gold pieces cannot satiate earthly desires. Sounds painful, actually. Wise is he who knows that desires bring little joy and much pain. The true disciple of Buddha finds no joy even in heavenly pleasures. He only delights in the destruction of all desires. Driven by fear, men seek refuge in mountains, forests, sacred trees, and shrines. But such refuges are neither secure nor ideal. They will not protect a man from his sufferings. Only he who seeks refuge with the Buddha, the sacred truth, and the noble ones will with clear understanding, see the four holy truths, suffering, 
the origin of suffering, the destruction of suffering, and the sacred eightfold path that leads to the end of suffering. This is the safest refuge. This is the ideal refuge. It is here that a man will be free of all suffering. Rare it is for a Buddha to be born. He is not born everywhere. Yet, wherever such a sage is born, that tribe prospers. Blessed is the birth of the Buddha. Blessed, should I say blessed or blessed? Blessed is teaching of the sacred truth. Oh, thank you. No, I'm just reading. Blessed is the harmony of the true disciples and blessed is their devotion. Thinking of the Jesus's disciples, they didn't always get along. I have to read a little more of these books to find out how well the Buddha's disciples got along. I imagine there must've been one or two kerfuffles. Is that PC? The Buddhas and their disciples who have overcome all desires and all evils and sorrows. They deserve to be worshiped. He who pays homage to such awakened and fearless souls will earn merit that can never be measured. That's the chair squeaking, nothing weird. Chapter 15 happiness. Let us live happily then, without hating those who hate us. Even amidst haters, let us live free from hatred. Let us live happily then, free from ailments among the unhealthy, and then in parentheses, from sin. Nothing weird. I'm not talking about leprosy, unless it's a metaphor. I assume. Keep reading. Even amidst the unhealthy, let us live free from ailments. Get vaccinated. <clears throat> let us live happily then, free from greed among the greedy. Even amidst those who are greedy, let us live free from greed. Let us live happily then, though we possess nothing. We shall feed on happiness, just like the radiant gods. Victory breeds hatred. The defeated lies in pain. Happily lives the peaceful. He who has renounced both victory and defeat. There is no fire like passion. There is no evil like hatred. There is no pain like existence. Hearing that, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, Halo 2. Uh, and there is no higher happiness than attaining supreme peace. That would, Trent never got that far, but we appreciate it anyway. Hunger is the worst disease. This conditioned world 
is the worst suffering. He who realizes this realizes the highest form of happiness, nirvana. Health is the greatest gift. Contentment is the best wealth. Trust is the best relationship. And nirvana is the highest happiness. He who has tasted the sweetness of solitude and tranquility, drinking deeply the sacred truth, he is free from all fear and sin. Delightful it is to see the holy ones. Joyful it is to live with them. Staying away from fools always brings happiness. He who keeps the company of fools suffers a long time. As with association with an enemy, the company of fools is always painful. But keeping company with the wise is like meeting with kinsfolk. It always brings happiness. Hence, just as the moon follows the path of the stars, follow him who is wise, learned, calm, steadfast, dutiful, and virtuous. It's a dutiful. We'll uh, read one more chapter. By we, I mean me. Chapter 16, Pleasure. He who forgets his way and grasps at pleasure and who abandons the true path will in time envy him who kept true and exerted himself in meditation. Why do I have the feeling that that was like originally said to a monk who felt jealous of his friend monk who left the monk lifestyle and got married and had kids? Maybe, maybe not. Do not seek the company of those who please you or those who displease you. To part from the former is painful and to be among the latter is painful too. Both are painful. Let therefore no man love anything. Loss of the beloved is painful. Those who love nothing nor hate anything have no shackles. It's nihilism, I tell you, no. From the pleasure of attachment, comes grief. From the pleasure of attachment comes fear. He who is free from the pleasure of attachment knows neither grief nor fear. From affliction comes grief. 
from affection, not affliction, from affection comes grief, excuse me, from affection comes fear. He who is free from affection knows neither grief nor fear. From lust comes grief, from lust comes fear. It's like Dr. Seuss. He who is free from lust knows neither grief nor fear. From love comes grief. From love comes fear. He who is free from love knows neither grief nor fear. Now, in ancient Greek and to a certain extent in modern Greek, there's a whole bunch of different words for love. Uh, eros for the, I love my car and, you know, that attractive person who I want to, that's Eros. Uh, then there's uh, Philos, which is like, hey, buddy, you know, you've always been there for me, man, my whole life. Philos, man, Philos. And then there's Agape, uh, which is what, when Jesus is talking about love, they say Agape. They translate it as agape. They define it as the love of God for man, the love of man for God, the love of husband and wife, brotherly love. I think all those words in that definition are pointing towards something that's meant to be something higher, you know, in a sense, than, uh, than those other forms. So I have to wonder, this is making me want to like get into a little bit of Pali and Sanskrit. I do want to learn those. The sands of the hourglass, you know, go by one at a time. I'm like getting a little bit of gray back here, and I still don't know Sanskrit or Pali, so I feel like I should get on that. Still working on Hindi, actually. That leads to Sanskrit in a similar way that Italian leads to uh, Latin. Well, anyway, I have a feeling that um, because the Buddha is big on compassion. The same book is big on compassion to talk about the importance of compassion, but then say, yeah, don't love is a little confusing for the English brain. Uh, not to say I'm English, I'm from California, but you know what I'm saying? I, 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 like for the part of us that hears this and goes, hmm, maybe Buddhism isn't for me. This sounds kind of fucked up, you know, like said, from love comes grief. He was free from love knows neither fear nor grief. But I have a feeling he's talking about some lesser forms of love. From greed comes grief. From greed comes fear. He who is free from greed knows neither grief nor fear. He who is virtuous and knowledgeable, who is just and disciplined, who speaks the truth, he practices Dhamma and fulfills his duties, is loved by the world. He in whom springs a desire for the inexpressible, nirvana in parentheses, in whose mind dwells knowledge, and whose thoughts are not bewildered by pleasure, 
he is called the upstream bounded one. Kinsmen, friends, and well-wishers, welcome back a man who has been long away and returns safe from afar. Similarly, good deeds receive him who has done good and gone from this world to the other, just as kinsmen receive a friend on his return. Thank you all for tuning in to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below. We send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh.